What does it take to pick the winners in the ICO space? Well, Ian Bellina knows a thing or two as his system for choosing the companies most likely to moon has gone viral in the crypto community. Today, we welcome Ian to the show to discuss this system, his biggest wins in the ICO space, his projections for the overall crypto markets, and your questions. It's going to be epic. So put on your Spaceman Spiff helmet, hop in your Lambo, and get ready for takeoff. It's episode number 89 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, ignition. Who's bad? This is Luke Elfring from Dutigum in the Netherlands. You're listening to the Bad Crypto Podcast. Stay bad. And welcome to the crypto podcast of badness. And we are your bad hosts. I'm Joel Com. That's Travis Wright. How you doing, buddy? I am doing well. And you know, I tell you what, folks, today you're going to love this episode. Uh, Ian Bellina, this dude is a really, really smart guy. And Really near and dear to my heart because he's all about the data, Mr. Joel Com. He worked at IBM. He was a data analyst. Uh, he's worked with analytics and the whatnots. He's worked with uh, Watson. Whew, this is a good one. This is a good one. You're going to love this episode so much. You're going to want to marry it. Mm -hmm. And so we are, this episode is now taking proposals uh, for suitors. Even though it is heard in 190 countries, we are taking, accepting proposals in all the languages that those countries speak. And uh, we're glad that you're here. You know what? We will actually uh, exchange this podcast for a dowry of goats. You like? We're good with that. Or we're down for all crypto goats. <laughs> Go not crypto kitties because yeah. I lose those. You do. Your kitties are still lost. You know, that thing is still growing pretty strong. I took a look at it just yesterday to see to make sure my kitties were still there and, and they were and they didn't look like they missed me at all. But some of the permutations are getting really unusual mm. as the breeding continues. And the uh, the zero gen kitties are still going for about, I don't know, five, six hundred dollars. Mm. Well, when I looked at them. So. I think my kitties, my kitties probably need their litter box changed. Mm. Your kitties are with the crazy cat lady living in a smelly yeah. house. Let's give shout outs to our show sponsors. The Zilla app heard from Abasa Phillips actually just this morning. And uh, the workaround is just about ready They're, they're uh, Whether or not they get approved into the app store, they will be releasing the app. And uh, you'll have to do a little gymnastics to grab it uh, initially. But I think it'll be interesting to, to go ahead and try that. Of course, it's a marketplace app. You guys can check it out at zla.io forward slash bad and also shout out to our new sponsor at staff virtual it's staffvirtual.com and uh, if you're in the crypto space these are the outsourcing experts they've got years of expertise and customer support they've applied this expertise to the cryptocurrency space and if you want your ico to be super successful both in the launch and long-term customer support go to staffvirtual.com and then maybe you won't be so bad. That's true because, oh my gosh, there are so many customer support issues in the crypto space. Y'all need to get yourself some customer support people. And then y'all need to come with us because we're going to walk down the street and go to the mailbox. Bad crypto voicemail. You have one new message. Yo, what's going on? This Shades from Detroit, and you're listening to the Bad Crypto Podcast. Remember, huh? Stay bad. We are staying bad because there's no other state for us to be in. 
uh, except for Colorado and Missouri. Or any other place in the world that we get drug off to. <laughs> we get drugged and taken off to yeah. other places. I feel drugged right now, um, Mr. Joel Com, because we've been traveling so much. I caught a little bit of flemminess and uh, been yeah. coughing and whatnot. So um, I hope I don't end up in a coffin. You're Flemmy McFlemerton. That's, That's true. <laughs> we're doing a lot of muting on the microphone. What you're not hearing is... <laughs> we're, we're muting the mucus for your ear pleasures. The mute cuss. Well, uh, if you guys want to phlegm it up for us, then you can call the Bad Crypto Hotline at 708-885-9030. Tell us to stay bad or uh, ask your questions. We do get a lot of questions. Or sing magical internet money. They can do that too, right? Yeah. In fact, here's a question that came via our contact form from Vince. He says, hey, Travis and Joel, this may have been covered before, but I'm sure you guys are in the same boat. What are you doing with all this wallet dust? It irks me to have all this magical internet money that I can't get to even though I own it. Is this problem being addressed by anyone like a wallet dust coin or something? I don't know. Love the show. Stay bad, Vince. Yeah, this we have talked about this uh, between you and I and others. There's there's this dust and it bothers me. You know, it's like little pieces of crypto. But like if you've got like pieces of Neo, you can't do anything with them because Neo has to be transferred as is a whole number. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you one point oh five eight nine six two Neo, guess what? That point zero whatever I said just sits there. It, very unhappily by itself. You know what I do, Mr. Jocom? What do you do? So typically the, the dust happens whenever you're selling it. And so what I will do is I if, if I have dust in one, well, then I will figure out what is the smallest that I can actually transfer to a wallet. And I will buy um, an amount that adds up that dust into a whole integer or into one big enough that I can trade. Because a lot of times when you have things that are like, you know, 18 decimals, like those smaller decimals, like they don't round up and they just get left in your exchange. And there is no dust coin. Uh, there is no way for you to donate the dust. Uh, th that would be nice if we could donate the dust, but it's so small in, in many cases that you can't even transact it. So what I will do is right. I will use math and I will just add it up to the, I will buy enough to add it up to the biggest integer and then transfer it off into a wallet. You know, what if you what if an exchange would step up and where you could click to donate it, you know, whatever's left and it sweeps it, sweeps the dust from everybody who says that together and it brings it into, you know, whole amounts that could be donated to a cause that the community votes on for that month. And you know what they can call it? The Dustbuster. Dustbuster. Because I don't think there's enough money for anybody to do a dust coin you know, in this, uh, because it, it's such a small amount, but I'd like to see that. I just want to say this. Our manager's crazy. He always smokes dust. He's got his own room at the back of the bus. <laughs> <laughs> also via the contact form at badcryptopodcast.com, which you can access by going to the site and clicking contact Travis and Joel, Ben and Drenica or Drenica, not sure which it is, but uh, one of those is right, says, so some skeptics like me, I think you mean us, are listening to your podcast description of what a Ponzi scheme is, and the irony is, as you describe it, cryptocurrency, because the speculation works exactly like how any Ponzi scheme works. 
because people are not really using it as a real currency and it doesn't realize its value percentage wise till you pull out but would love your analysis on how it's different sincerely your loyal listeners at ben and drenica or drenica whichever it is I don't think it's the same. Do you think it's the same? I, I don't. No, I don't see how a, a Ponzi scheme is. The people at the top of the pyramid are the ones that get all the benefits, and you know ICOs, cryptocurrency. It's not like that at all. Now, if right. you are in Bitcoinnect, then that was a Ponzi scheme. But not all of them are Ponzi schemes, and ICOs are actually a, a, a very solid uh, mechanism to grow some pretty substantial wealth. And Mr. Joel Kahn, we're going to be talking about ICOs today with Mr. Ian Bellina, right? We are indeed. By the way, I just, when you said Be Connect, I had to take a look to see where it is right now. Uh, any guesses? I don't know if you've looked lately, but would you like to hazard a, a guess? Mm, last time I checked, it was like 30 something dollars is below 30. Uh, <laughs> so you haven't checked basically since I want to say um, we did the show back uh, about a month ago. January 18th. Oh my God. Uh, it is at $3.89, wow. my friend. Oh my gosh. That sounds like such a great time to buy. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, know, here's the thing. If, 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 you know, with penny stocks, some of these companies go under and they sit there as a shell. And in the, the stock world, you know, if you want to get listed on, uh, the OTC even, you know, not even NASDAQ or, or Amex, it costs a lot of money. You know, so what a lot of these companies do is they get on the pink sheets by reverse merging into an, a shell that's just sitting there. And so there are once once upon a time, I had some uh, stock in a company that went out of business, became a shell, and an internet company reverse merged into it, and all of a sudden, the stock I had in the shell came to life. So would anybody ever touch BitConnect? and bring it back, then those that are still hodling, there might be some value to the tokens that they were scammed out of. Maybe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe so. Doubtful. Very doubtful. I don't know that $3.89 is a good buy point for BitConnect, although I am not a financial advisor. Um, I can tell you that I will not be purchasing any. Yeah. Uh, you know what? BitConnect, you're dead to me. You're swimming with the fishes. <laughs> well, you've already talked up the interview with uh, our new friend, Ian Bellina. You guys are going to dig this. Get ready to put all of your attention, not just some of it, all of it, onto the sounds coming into your ears, because here's our feature segment. It is super happy fun time. Do you know why? Why, why is that? Because we have a guest today that uh, many of our listeners have been asking for. And as they were asking for him, I discovered him. And I'm like, this is a super happy, fun guy who's super into crypto and would make for a great guest because he's super successful in the crypto space. You know what I'm talking about? That is true. Absolutely. Not only that, but he has this data-driven Moneyball approach to investing in crypto. And, you know, as a personally as a marketing technologist, you know, I've spoken around the world about data-driven marketing and why analytics and data are so important into making good decisions. I wrote about that in my book, right? And so our guest today is uh, Ian Bellina. And uh, he's the former analytics evangelist at IBM, and this guy knows about the cryptos. 
He does. He's uh, he's been a blockchain um, uh, in crypto investor. He's an advisor. He's an evangelist. He's been all over the mainstream media, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, CNBC, Huffington Post, The Street, Inc., entrepreneur, and now the cream of the crop. He's here to drop some knowledge on bad crypto. Welcome, Ian. How you doing? Hey, I'm glad to be on. And and we are glad that you are here. And uh, we've got a lot of questions from our uh, fans in the Bad Crypto Mastermind. Uh, for those of you that aren't in there yet, why not? Over 6,500 strong with great conversation at badco.in forward slash mastermind. And we're going to get to some of their questions. But you know, before we do, I kind of want to know how you began this journey into crypto. How What sucked you into the rabbit hole? I was working at IBM, a buddy of mine saw, hey, working at IBM, IBM is making some moves in blockchain space. Can you put me in touch with the director of blockchain at IBM? And that was a very big ask for him. So I kind of qualified him. I'm like, okay, why do you care so much about this space? And he told me he was working as a blockchain developer in San Francisco, working on some blockchain projects. But even more importantly, he was investing in cryptocurrency. And initially, I thought cryptocurrency, Bitcoin and stuff like that was for the dark web for bad people mm-hmm. but he kind of he kind of convinced me that, hey there's actually solid people working in this space on projects and he showed me how he was making more money in cryptocurrency than the stock market and me being an investor once i heard that i was in i was sold i didn't really, didn't really have to ask any further questions after that pretty much just kind of went out there dived in tried to learn more about the space my philosophy in life is to always try something once before saying no. So I was like, let me just try crypto. And if I, if I, if I lose money, that's fine. But I'll, I'll, I'll know whether or not it's a good thing or not. So this, he decided to try it more than once, Travis. Yeah, he decided <laughs> that this crypto thing seems to be working out, huh? So I want to I ask you a little bit because, so, you know, that's one thing that really, you know, got me about your background is, you know, you were at IBM, you're doing analytics stuff, you've worked with Watson. So, you know, personally, as a marketing technologist, having written a book about that data driven stuff is, is so important to me. I've, I've mentioned that all over the world in my different presentations that I've given and your sort of saber metrics approach. I'm a big fan of baseball here in Kansas City. Actually, the creator of saber metrics, uh, lives in Lawrence, Kansas, not too far from my home. I've met the dudes, really smart guy. And, and data and analytics are so important. And I talk to organizations all over the world about how you need to use your data. And so you've taken this approach, uh, this Moneyball Sabermetrics approach, and you've taken that into the cryptocurrency token sales space with these ICOs, and you've created something called token metrics. Now, when I read over and I, and I, and I was seeing all the different data points that you're doing analysis on, and I've seen your spreadsheet, I was like, this dude, gets it. He's speaking my language more so than most in the space. And so I wanted you to maybe tell our, tell our audience about this sort of token metrics approach and, and what it is and how, how you look at ICOs. Yes. So initially when I began investing in ICOs, initial coin offerings, I was just like any other naive investor. I was chasing the hype, the FOMO, the fear of missing out, Whichever ICO had the best marketing, the best web page, the sexiest white paper, the biggest names. But after crunching the data, I realized that I wasn't making as much money as I could have been making. So I told myself there has to be a better way to invest in these ICOs. And being somebody that loved working with data, that was my first problem to solve. I said, okay, let me crunch the data of the best ICOs of all time and see what exactly they had in common 
and see if I can find any patterns. So I went out there and made a list of about 25 ICOs, and I, and I would sort them by the best ROI, best return on investment for the investor. So the top ICOs are projects like Ethereum, Stratus, Neo, uh, and I'll go through and I'll call as many data points as possible and try to figure out what they had in common. Mm-hmm. So the data told me the first problem was prototypes. Any, all the best ICOs in common, 90% of them had the, a prototype, some kind of ship code, something, they, something that, that shows that they could execute, whether a testnet, a mainnet, a alpha, beta, an MVP, proof of concept, was something that, that was more than just an idea. Something that wasn't something that wasn't vaporware, right? Exactly, right? No no white paper ICOs, as I call them, mm-hmm. right? So just finding that in the data really helped my results. Then the next thing I, f- I found is all-star teams. I'll go through, so my data points, there are multiple data points, both quantitative and qualitative data points. So I, I get things such as every, every team member's background and, and the past employer, and same thing for all the advisors. And I try to find what I call all-star advisors, people who have worked for credible companies in the past, typically public companies, or typically well-known open source or blockchain projects in the past. Then I also go through and get token metrics. So that is basically figuring out how much money they've raised, their total token supply, what percentage is being sold to investors, what percentage is being kept by the team, the token price. I also go through and, and see how big the community was, whether the Telegram group, the Slack channel, or the Discord. And I gather all these individual data points on each individual ICO. And then I created a grading system, and I grade all of them. And this then allows me to basically compare each individual ICO on an apples-to-apples approach and give it a, a, a single holistic grade on how good that ICO is. Then I take that same grading system and I apply it towards upcoming ICOs to see how well they fare against this grading system. You had a, um, a spreadsheet that you were offering for a time that was kind of transparent and showing people what's going on. Um, some people said that it's, it's not being updated in, at the moment, but is this where uh, people can see, you know, here's the list of all the different things that you're tracking that you just described? Yes, yes. So I had a public spreadsheet that was available online for anybody to see, but I'll go through and, and share this data and also share my current grading systems or, or grading grading grades for upcoming ICOs. And it kind of just went viral organically from just word of mouth of people seeing the results from it. Uh, right, it came to a point where it got too viral and I was basically moving the market too much when it came to ICOs. ICOs would sell out in, the, in one or two days or the whitelist would close in one or, one or two days after they got a really high grade because people trusted the, the grading system. So I took it down indefinitely for now just to kind of have people go and do their own research. I feel like I've taught people how to fish, how to basically go out there, evaluate ICOs using data. Now I want people to go out there and do it on their own as opposed to just blindly investing in the spreadsheet. Is it a little scary when you become a market mover like that and thinking, oh my gosh, my, you know, this is having an impact on so many people. You know, is it that you didn't want to, you know, di- was it scary to do that? Or is it really all just, hey, you know, y'all figure this out? Uh, I mean, initially, my I've always been trying to help as many people as possible for free. In a way, I'm trying to open source investment knowledge for anybody, especially when it comes to cryptocurrencies. So I've been trying to reach as many people as possible for free. But although that's a good message, there has been a downside in the sense that I've been moving the markets when it comes to ICOs. So 
that's why I had to pull it back. But I, I think I'll, I'm right now. I'm in the process of trying to figure out a solution, a optimal solution, where the community as a whole can still benefit, but not have so many people, not have my impact move the market so much. Maybe have like a private group of some sort where you allow certain people in and you have discussions around it because that's one of the things that's so helpful around this space. Is there's a lot of people who look at things in different in different ways and and having a collective of, of people that you trust, kind of uh, you know chatting about some of these things are, are, are pretty good. One of the things if you well, that I loved about your spreadsheet, and I actually had some some friends from Australia, so they love you down in Australia, mate. And uh, they were like, dude, Ian Bellina, man, he's uh, most of my crypto gains have come from checking out his uh, his spreadsheet. So then when I checked it out, I was like, OK, he's got the Hall of Famers. He's got the all stars, starters, substitutes. And you've had very few Hall of Famers uh, that and the Hall of Fame uh, ones were the ones that were rated over 90 percent or more. Percent. Yeah, it looks like there's only been two. One Canada code name, which we don't even know what that is, right? And then Exum Chain are, are a couple. So, so when you're going through that process and you and you are determining if someone is a, a Hall of Fame or All Star, that's because you're going through all those data points and you are determining like how many points were you given to these different to the quantitative data points versus the qualitative data points? I mean, some of them seem to be weighted heavier than others, right? Yes, yeah, because from crunching the data, it does have a higher impact on the success of an ICO in terms of ROI for the, for the investor, right? So my grading system is on a, on a high level, anything above 90% is a hall of fame, right? Basically an A, right? Those are projects or ICOs. And in my opinion that I believe are stellar, right? I think there'll be, there'll be great projects one, one to two years long-term for, for any, any participant, anybody who's part of their token sale. Then anything above 80% is what I call an all-star ICO or project. So in my opinion, those are also still very good projects. And anything below, below that is a starter, then it keeps going down, right? But in general, when I invest in these projects or cryptocurrencies, I only invest in projects that have an 80% or higher. Right? So that gives me confidence in what I'm investing in because I know for the most part, I'll be making money. Right? So crunching, So we then go through and track the data. And I know, for example, that on average, with token metrics, the average ROI of an investment is 5x, which is pretty good, in, especially in cryptocurrency, to be very consistent where each ICO you're investing in on, on average is giving you a 5x return on, on your money. That basically means one grand turns to five grand. Right? So with the system, it's very consistent and stable. So that's why I stick to it. And a million turns to five million. And a billion becomes you do the math. <laughs> I noticed you used the word stellar in there, and I'm wondering if that was a, a subtle, you know, um, drop there because you used to work for IBM, and uh, we've had Jed McCaleb from Stellar Lumens on here uh, very early in uh, in the show history, and I'm, I'm wondering what do you think about Stellar's partnership with IBM? That's actually a question from James Franklin in our mastermind group. As a former IBMer, I was shocked when I heard the partnership with IBM for Stellar, because as someone who's worked at IBM for a while, I know it's a very conservative company in the mm -hmm. sense that although they're, they're ahead of, of most companies when it comes to the blockchain space and they're really pushing the edge, they're pro-blockchain, but they never really talked about cryptocurrencies. That was kind of a taboo topic to talk about in, at I, IBM, right? As most Fortune 500 companies don't really... In the cryptocurrency space, they talk, talk about blockchain, but not cryptos. So I was really shocked when they partnered with Stellar, 
because in a way they are kind of giving a slight endorsement to cryptocurrencies, although I do know Stellar is a blockchain, but it, I was really shocked that they're really kind of pushing the edge and veering away from where they normally would gravitate to. And so what do you think about Stellar in your personal opinion? I mean, I think it's a decent project. Uh, I haven't had, had a chance to, I did used to own some Stellar a while back. I know it's been on a great run uh, the last few months, especially last year towards the end of December, ever since, since the IBM news dropped, it's kind of been taking off. I mean, but uh, long term, I mean, I don't really invest in high cap or high market cap coins or cryptocurrencies. I like to get in early from the ground floor and just kind of hold all the way till the top. Travis, this is such an interesting contrast because, you know, we, we uh, Ronnie Moes is a friend of the show mm-hmm. and Ronnie only invests in the uh, in the top market caps and and it's great to have somebody who's on the other side saying you know you're looking at the the great projects that have that instant that 5x return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not only that, but if he actually one thing I love about love about you Ian is that you are very transparent, right? And you know, a lot of people are not transparent. You actually shared your block folio, your your total portfolio uh yesterday or a couple of days ago, I believe. Yeah, it looks like yesterday uh on on Twitter and so your your top holdings, you you share those and I got to say I'm really happy to see this. You know, Dragon is up there. That's one of my favorite favorite coins and and you and I we share a similarity in the fact that and and I didn't know this whenever I started investing. I just sort of moved towards this organically is that I tend to only invest in blockchain platforms and the infrastructure platforms more so than the the the, the dapps, right? So I I don't seem to to invest in those as much just because I prefer to have the highway in which other people are building on. And if you want to maybe talk about that a little bit as well as like what your methodology around why you invest in mostly only infrastructure projects. Right. I mean, because the data backs it up. The best ICOs of all time, for the most part, have been infrastructure projects, right? Ethereum, Neo, Stratus, brand new blockchains have done fairly, fairly well. I mean, so especially in a bearish market, they're the least likely to be sold off. Right. So, for example, um, as somebody who's, who, who likes to invest in infrastructure projects, my best performing projects for the most part are mainly infrastructure projects. Uh, like last last year in uh, December, using tokenometrics, we're able to invest in three fifty x ICOs in one month. Mm. Right, meaning that they turned one grand to fifty grand in one month in, in the first month trading on exchanges. And they were Icon, they were Dragon Chain, and they were Wabi. Right, two of those three were infrastructure projects. Both of them were brand new blockchains, smart contract blockchain platforms. So in, in my opinion, I feel like that's where the, the power is or that's where the greatest gains are to be, to be made because there are platforms that have large network effects. They let other people build on top of them and they're basically the, acting as the plumbing for the, next inter, for the next web. So, you know, a lot of people make mistakes when they first get involved in crypto and some make mistakes, even after they've been involved for a while. And since you're so transparent, I wonder, uh, Brian asks in the mastermind group, if you could share some of your earliest mistakes that um, taught you the greatest lessons. Yeah. I mean, so I've learned a lot from investing in ICOs and cryptocurrencies. And as I'm working with this, with data, I always keep on trying to evolve it. Right. So I recall early last, uh, late last year, probably around September, October. Or so I, ma- I made some changes with how I was grading teams, right? Uh, and 
I was actually giving benefit of the doubt to, for example, interns, internships, right? Uh, and that didn't really end up doing so well. <clears throat> I had some ICOs, for example, Aventus, uh, Propion, some other ICOs that didn't do so well, right? So I made me go back to the drawing board, question the data some more, and make adjustments. And from there, I've been able to improve. And the next the months after that, we had a better month and a better month. Right, so it's just kind of more evolving each month as we go, seeing what's working, what's not. So, for example, initially I was investing in DApps a lot, right? But after having really good results from infrastructure projects, I tricked the the migrating system to heavily favor infrastructure projects. Yeah, you know, let me let me ask you this, and I agree, I agree with that, and that you know that's my portfolio sort of does the same thing on that. I mean, I want to. I'm curious about this. You know, now you know bigger money is now flocking to ICOs and pre-sale ICOs, and and regulation is maybe on the horizon. And investors in America, right? We maybe don't get to invest in some of these bigger ICOs now. So you know, do you think that you know maybe the chances for these huge, you know, mega moons, right? Fifty X. Uh, you think those are maybe diminishing over time as it's becoming more regulated and and people are more focusing on the space. Yes and no. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you why I get, I'm giving two answers. I feel like the gains are still there. If anything, there's more money to be made now than before, which may seem crazy to some people, but I'll tell you why. Mm. The average valuation of a cryptocurrency project is rising. It's, it's a lot higher than it was three months from now, six months from now, and so forth, right? So, for example, the average valuation for a smart contract blockchain platform, probably at the peak which, which was about December, early January, was over a billion dollars. That's the average. Oh. Right? The market was valuing each smart contract blockchain platform at over a billion dollars. Right Now, imagine a smart contract blockchain platform has an ICO and only raises $15 million and they have a mainnet launched. Right? This is what happened with Dragon Chain. Mm-hmm. They only raised $15 million, $15 million. They already had a full product available. Right, and once they launched, a, a, a month later they began having ICOs. Right, they, they, yeah. they launched, the and their team was backed by stuff. Disney. I mean, I was I, I looked at this one, I was like, wow, right. this is like a no brainer to me. Yeah, All Star team with a mainnet launched, the product was complete, right, and only raised fifteen million dollars, meaning they only had a fifteen million dollar cap initially. And we know the market was valuing smart contract blockchain platforms at a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. So guess what happened? Dragon Chain went to a $1 billion valuation very quickly in about a month, right? It pulled up 50x, right? So that was, that, that was the, the, the data backed that up, right? So that was kind of a, an easy pick in my opinion, right? So it shows you that with the rising valuations of projects and now ICOs for the most part, uh, they're being m- more modest with how much money they raise. So the p- potential for large gains and high ROIs are still available. That's why I think there's still a chance to make lots of great, lots, lots of money in this space, especially in 2018. Now, with that being said, the shift or the evolution I'm seeing in ICO investing is that regulation is now becoming a huge concern to a point where lots of projects are avoiding having public sales. They're only raising privately via a private sale from institutions and funds and deciding to do airdrops as a way to build a community as opposed to using a public sale as a way to and I feel like regulation is the main concern because there, there's this kind of belief now in 2018 that the SEC will 
drop the hammer this year and do something regarding ICOs and whether they're securities or not. Because right now it's kind of in a gray zone, right? That's why most ICOs are avoiding U.S. investors, right? But we feel like now that gray zone might now become black and white, right? And if some ICOs get caught up in that, they could have some legal issues. Yeah, and it, it, it's really unfortunate here in the uh, land of the free and the home of the brave um, that <clears throat> we're not trusted with our own money. But um, I guess they want to protect those that um, that could be easily scammed. And there certainly are scams out there. That's why I'm glad there's people evaluating. Uh, now, I'm wondering, just like uh, you know, an athlete who has those moments that you know they remember the Grand Slam or that Hail Mary pass, you've got to have your – crowning moment, your investment that blew up unlike any other. So actually two-sided question. Um, what is your, what is your big, you know, grand slam home run as far as your own investment, your best investment. And then uh, on the other side, what's your, the worst investment that you ever made? All right. So I'll give you two for the best investment. So on a percentage uh, or ROI wise, percentage wise, it, it was Wabi. Wabi was a very unknown Chinese ICO, nobody had heard of it, very small team. But looking at the data, the data told us this was a great project, right? Wabi was one of those diamond in the roughs, right? They had a pre-ICO where they only raised $300,000 initially. Their token price was $0.03. Cents. Then they had a follow-up ICO after that. So I was part of both the pre-ICO and the ICO itself. Now, when I was trying to send funds to Wabi, that, that site was down two days in a row. Right, so I was I was very nervous. I'm like, the data is telling me it's a great ICO, but this could be a scam, right? Because as we know in cryptocurrency, there are lots of scams here. But I said, you know what? I believe in the data. Let me go with it. And Wabi, at its peak, ended up giving me a 117x return in about four months. Right, so wow. basically one wow. grand. That's, that's not horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was. It, it's by far been the best ICL for me percentage-wise. Now, in terms of dollar amounts, the best has been Icon thus far. So I was part of an Icon private sale back in September or so. I put in about $20,000 into Icon, and in about four months as well, at its peak, it was $2 million in about four months. So from twenty grand to $2 million, Icon also pulled a 100x or greater return. So those two are kind of my crowning moments and where, for the most part, my community, who was also following the spreadsheet, also made a ton of money. And that's kind of when my influence kind of went to a whole different uh, stratosphere. And and what would be the other side then? What the, which one really so disappointed you? Air token is one that d- d- disappointed me. Um, that one, I ended up just getting out of it after two or three months. I think at one point I was down about 60% or so. Then there was also Propi. Propi was, was a pretty bad investment. Uh, Aventus was also kind of bad investment. So I think those three, for the most part, have been my worst investments using token metrics, right? And with each bad investment, I try to go back and see, okay, what could have been better? What Was there something I missed, right? So it's kind of an evolution. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely an evolving space, and there's a lot of things that you know keep changing in it. I mean, you you were lucky to when you got in right back in uh, you know fall of 2016. I mean, that was a perfect time when Ethereum was less than ten dollars, right, and Bitcoin was four hundred maybe or six five hundred, whatever it was. 
kind of a fun time to get in. And so let me ask you this now, 2018, right? We're in the, we're, we're still in the first quarter of 2018. What are some of the things that you are seeing or maybe some trends that you're noticing or maybe even some, some companies that you're keeping an eye on in 2018? Oh, in 2018, um, I'm very bullish on OneChain. It was an ICO last year, around September, October or so. And in my opinion, this is going to be a top five to top 10, but I think top five project once it's trading on exchanges. So they already have a mainnet. This is by the former CTO of Factum. And Factum already gave its past ICO investors a 200x return in about three years. Right. So this is a proven team, all-star team. And they're going after a very big space, banking and finance. I, I like to call them the Chinese Ripple because they're going after the same space, but it's a better, in my opinion, a better decentralized ledger for finance. Right? It's basically cross-chain smart contracts with privacy for banking. Right? So cross-chain blockchain with privacy because banks like to would like to use the blockchain, but it's the blockchain as well. Right? Everything is public. Right? So they're basically creating something that is private that they can use. Right, so it's a, I think it's the potential is enormous, and I think when it's debuts on, on exchanges, in my opinion, which is likely to happen, maybe late this month or early next month, it's going to do very very well. I, th- I think it's going to be bigger than Icon, and Icon was a great investment for me. Mm. What's the symbol for that? Uh, the acronym W A N, but it's not okay. trading yet, but uh, it should be coming out soon. Yes, yeah, so they raised about thirty six million dollars. Uh, and they ended their their ICO back in uh, early October, and that's that's got to be interesting for folks. To, it's five months later; they're not on any exchanges yet. What's what's the delay on that? Why has it taken so long for them to get on the exchanges? Do you think? Uh, I think there are various reasons. So once they had their ICO a while back or pre-sale, then the whole Chinese ICO ban happened, mm-hmm. and that delayed them by about two months or so. And then they also did have some delays when it came to getting their product out there to the market, right? Because they went from that, that had to first test the product to make sure it was something worthy of going live. Because once you launch a blockchain, it's launched, right? It's kind of hard to pull it back in, right? So I feel like they had some development snafus that kind of slowed some things down. And then also regulation in the Asia market also slowed things down as well. Because I believe they had to refund some Chinese investors mm-hmm. who were part of their token sale. Yeah. I have a question around your research and where, so now, I mean, now you've gotten to a point where like, Oh, I'm Ian Bellina. People are just throwing white papers at me all the time because a recommendation from you is going to, you know, move the market. But, but for you, when you're doing your own due diligence and, and, and Ian, that's one of the things that we pride ourselves on is we don't pump or dump any coins. We don't make recommendations on any coins. We tell in every episode, almost to the fact where it's a joke, where we're not financial advisors, but we encourage people to do their own due diligence. We want them to do their own research. We want them to go out and find the next wand chain, the next dragon, the next Neo, right? So where do you go whenever you're starting your research and you're trying to find these blockchain infrastructure platforms, these upcoming ones, where do you go to start your research? So I have my own private investor groups with other investors that I've been working with for the last one year. So just kind of seeing what they're looking at and just kind of sharing different things. So if somebody says, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about investing in this project and I know their history and they're a pretty credible person and have a good reputation of picking good projects, then I'll look into that as well. Then I also have a huge ICO mastermind community with over 25,000 people on Telegram. 
So we go in there and just discuss ICLs. So I'll just kind of go through and just kind of see what ICL names keep on popping up over the course of a week or so. Right. So for example, if I keep on hearing Icon, Icon, Icon for the last one week, I'm like, okay, let me look into Icon. All right. So I kind of use those two methods to do my research. I don't really go to ICL sites anymore. And just could now just, just kind of more just kind of I see what's bubbling up. Mm-hmm. Is that a um, a public Telegram group that anybody can join, or is that an invite only? Uh, it's it's semi private. So to join, they have to go to ianblender.com slash mastermind. I just put in an email, and then they'll have access to join. Excellent. You know, one of our um, masterminders in our group said that he noticed uh, you sitting in a Lambo in your Instagram story. So I, I guess yeah. the next question <laughs> is, when moon? <laughs> uh, the moon is coming it feels like there's a moon every month right <laughs> that's kind of the the joke now in crypto right when moon is next month or every month right but uh, yeah so i was here i'm here in la right now uh we're here filming a music video for a first crypto song called moon lambo so i've been making vlogs from traveling across the world and with the vlogs we've been adding our own music in the vlogs right because i have a friend of mine who i'm getting into crypto and he's a rapper so he's been, he's been making crypto wraps for me to kind of add to the videos. And now we just kind of decided as a way to kind of really take crypto mainstream and evangelize crypto to a whole, whole new audience. We're trying to go to totally different cultures, right? To music, to entertainment, to video and fashion, right? So we're trying to really get crypto from being a subculture or a niche to something a lot more, more people know about. Because we feel like for it to go mainstream, we really have to push it forward. So we're doing it with creative things like making a music video. So, so Travis, I guess do we just draw, do we tell them? Because probably should now at this point, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we, we we've actually we've done two songs so far. We did a parody of InSync's uh, "Bye Bye Bye," only it was you know of course B U Y. And then uh, over uh, Christmas, we did a "12 Days of Christmas" parody, and uh, Travis and I have been writing the lyrics and and have the music for a song. And the title of the song, Travis, is uh, "Win Lambo, Win Moon." That's the name. <laughs> so, so, but we like we that. we have a funny little. We have a. It's not going to be like a a rap song. It's going to be more sort of like a toy piano kind of a funny. Yeah, but there is a rap in it. There's, I mean, we're tracking. This yeah. is weird. Or we're sharing one crypto mind or something. So yeah, we'll yeah. have the battle of the the dueling uh, Lambo Moon songs. This is going to be great. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's uh, so really any, funny that uh, that we're both tracking on that same stuff for sure. <laughs> that That's hilarious. So let's do a quick uh, lightning round here. Mark McDonald posted in, uh, you know, these are existing tokens, so you might not have, um, you know, details about each one or might not have researched them, but it's okay. Uh, just, you know, give the, the first thing that comes to mind. You ready? Yes. Okay. Ripple or Stellar Lumens? Ripple. EOS or ADA? Oh, wow. Uh, EOS. Bitcoin or Bcash? Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Ethereum or NEO? Ethereum. Monero or Zcash? Monero. All right. We have some lovely parting gifts for... for <laughs> <laughs> 
That's great. Uh, Travis, yeah, go yeah, for it. Yeah, I have another question now. So notice that now that you've that you've um, you know been been successful in crypto, you've mentioned that you've been diversifying more into other traditional areas outside of crypto, such as as re, uh, you know real estate and maybe some other things, maybe buying Lambos. Now, is this maybe sort of a, a an exit strategy for you of some kind, or or are, how long do you see these these strong gains possible for the crypto space? Um, I think we'll have a chance to make these strong gains for the next one or two years, maybe. But one year, I think this year for sure, there's still a chance for strong gains. I have been looking into getting into real estate, residential and commercial as just a way to diversify and take profits from crypto. I mean, because as you know, right, anything could happen in crypto, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I'm still bullish on this space long term, but just to be conservative, just want to take some money out and put it in something that's passive income, right? So maybe a rental property or something like that. Very good. Uh, as we get... We're going to wrap up here in just a couple, but I'm curious about your prognostication. Your, get your crystal ball out and uh, take a look to December 31st, 2018. Crypto market cap. Um, that, that's the first question I want you to, to give a prediction of. Where do you think it's going to be? I think conservatively, $5 trillion, aggressively $10 trillion market cap. So, so I'm wondering with them when, you know, right now uh, we saw crypto have a huge rise going into the year and then, you know, it had its dip. And now, even as we speak right now, this interview will air in a few days. But right now, Bitcoin is is teasing with uh, 12,000. It's almost, you know, it's 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 getting close to 12 again. Um, and it's just crypto's just kind of been, uh, you know, slowly easing up and then pulling back a little bit. What do you think will be the thing that sends it on this next stratospheric rise? What's the trigger? Um, I think two possible things could happen. Positive regulation use could trigger, right, whether the SEC or some other bodies gives it a stamp of approval or even whether an ETF, for example, is approved. And now we have all the money on Wall Street coming in, right? So I feel like those two reasons could be a possible wave of uh, new investors. And then the third one is Bitcoin goes to an even higher all-time high. Right? We saw what happened when Bitcoin kind of went from 1000 to 5000 then 10000 then 20000 right? So I feel like if Bitcoin goes on a big run again, then you have all the mainstream media covering it 24-7, which exposes it to a whole new audience and gets more buyers into it. Yeah, that that was that was a magical run there. Now let me ask you this: what, you know, for because our whole show, Ian, is about teaching the you know the masses how crypto works. We keep it fun. We crack jokes, as you can tell. Uh, we, we keep it entertaining, and but we want to we want to help the masses understand the crypto space because most people in the space they're so technical it's hard for people to get a to get a grasp of this space so maybe what is what is some advice for somebody who's maybe listening to the show right now they're teetering back and forth if they should invest in crypto or not maybe what what would you suggest for somebody who let's say they have a thousand dollars and they're like i'm gonna go i just got my tax refund back i'm gonna throw a thousand dollars in what what would you suggest that they would do, knowing that you're not a financial advisor, but if you were just starting out now, knowing what you know, what would you do with that thousand dollars? If I had a thousand dollars just starting out, I'll just buy ether, in my opinion, right? This is obviously not financial advice, so I'll just buy ether. Then I'll look into investing in ICOs, right? So I may as I'm holding my ether, I'll probably look into which ICOs I like, grade them on my particular grading system. And then maybe invest $100 in each one or, or whatever 
level is good based on which ones are the best, right? So maybe you kind of find the best projects I believe in, put the most amount of money in that one, they kind of decrease the amount with each project that's beneath that one. Beautiful. Well, this has been uh, incredibly helpful. I'm sure our listeners are going to enjoy this. And, and now we're going to go invade your uh, your Telegram space and, and see what you got going on in your group there. Uh, Ian Bellina, ianbellina.com. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today, Ian. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. It's great to have the made man on the Bad Crypto <laughs> Podcast, man. It was beautiful. He, he's now made it to the bottom by being on our show. Started so, at the uh, top. Now he's here. <laughs> <laughs> it's all uphill from here. Travis, out of all the things that Ian talked about in that interview, the thing that stands out the most is that he's thinking about doing a song that's right along the same lines that we are. When we heard that, I heard you kind of laugh when he mentioned it. And I'm thinking, okay, we need to address this. Yeah, you know what? It's one of those things. Everybody talks about Lambos and Moons, and so I'm sure there won't be the only song, two songs that come out in the space about that particular topic. So uh, once we get over our Fleminess, we probably ought to go ahead and record this thing, huh? Yeah, Fleming McFlemerton. We're actually going to be together for a week um, in March, and that's South by Southwest is coming up, gang, and uh, meet us there in Austin. It's going to be the 8th through i think the 13th of march we're going to be there and we've got the crypto house the crypto house we are there to pump you up with the bad coins and also the uh, bad crypto meetup at south by southwest uh badco.in forward slash meetup and what's the url for the crypto house uh for block house it's a block house it's a b-l-o-k-h-a-u-s dot v-i-p so make sure to check that out yeah Yeah. block house because that's all all the other words have been taken and so we had to go germanize it and there's one more event that's taking place that we are close to being under contract for mr travis right that's going to extend our trip a couple more days there just waiting on that to come through and then we'll be able to announce that to you guys as well and then we're also going to be at another event the social media marketing world in san diego so if anybody is there in san diego uh we may be able to say hey maybe not yeah. it's going to be pretty busy we might be able to get together get a little party something somewhere we'll have bad crypto stickers on hand so um oh. so if we have those then come up and and say stick it to me and um and travis will smack one on your forehead Hit me with your best shot, and then I'll, I'll hit you with a jab. Uh, more great shows coming your way. Thanks for being uh, part of our community. We appreciate you so much. And if you haven't told a friend about Bad Crypto this week, then this would be a good time to do it. Just tell them, hey, if you're not a citizen of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, then you're nothing. You know, nothing. And, and if you've never heard our show, if you just heard our show for the first time with the interview with Ian Bolina, welcome to the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast. We'd like to have a lot of fun over here. And if you've listened to the podcast quite a bit, uh, you know what? Feel free to leave us a nice review on Facebook or on iTunes or anywhere on the intertubes because that is how you show us love. And uh, the rating system seems to like that stuff. And really, it's the only way for you to stay back. Who's bad? 
The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.